Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Surviving My Podcast. A survivor podcast about living with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. Join me as we heal together, raise awareness, and inspire everyone to survive, thrive, and conquer their past. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Surviving My Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm super stoked to have you back here for another edition of the show. If you are a first-time listener, I'm so glad you found the podcast, and I hope that you'll find it encouraging, validating, and informative. If you are a returning guest, you guys rock. You're amazing. Thanks so much for continuing to listen and spread the word about the message of hope and healing that we try and share here. I appreciate your encouragement, your support, and your show ideas. And if you are a regular listener to the show, you'll know that I thoroughly enjoy having special guests join me here so I can share their message of hope with you. And today is, of course, no different as I'm excited to welcome in Elizabeth Corey to the podcast. She's an author, advocate, and survivor of childhood sexual abuse and trafficking. Elizabeth has a master's degree in social work and uses her experiences to generate awareness about sexual violence and complex PTSD. So let's jump right into it. Elizabeth, thanks so much for taking some time to join me today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. It is absolutely my honor. I appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule uh, to join me here and share your message and insight with the listeners. So let's kind of jump right into it here. Uh, Before we get into the topic, tell us a little bit more about yourself, about your work, and about what you do. Yes. Well, there's... (laughs) That alone I could talk to you for three hours about, but I'll try to control myself. I'm a little bit of an extrovert, and it's really hard to get me to be quiet, so I'll warn you now about that. But I come from a really difficult background, and I I grew up in an environment where um, my family was sexually abusing children, trafficking children. Um, It was by no means a healthy environment. And that was across the board, whether it was physical or sexual abuse, or whether it was manipulation and gaslighting um, and emotional abuse, it was all present in my family. And, you know, that's a hard story to tell, and that's probably the hardest part of the story to tell. But what happened when I grew up, and, and I hear this from so many of my clients and other survivors, is you know, we we kind of hold on to this hope that when we get through these experiences in childhood and we sort of leave the home, we're suddenly going to have this beautiful life and that everything's going to be resolved because we're no longer under the thumb of these horrible people. And then what we find is that whether or not we consciously know this or not, is that we are suddenly um, we in, sort of recreating those experiences of childhood. We have this sort of imprint that's in place on us that makes it um, almost impossible to walk out of this environment into a really happy and healthy adulthood. And I certainly experienced that. I had plenty of abusive patterns that continue to show up in my life, and it really made me hopeless. I, I felt 
that there was really no way I was going to escape all of this negativity that had started back when I was born, really. Um, and so for me, I probably went through about 10 to 15 years worth of just constant repeating of these patterns before I sort of started to wake up. And I would say that my big wake-up call happened when I had my children. And my children are now almost 11 years old. They're twins, four-girl twins. And they are definitely the loves of my life. There's no doubt about that. But when they first showed up in the world, they became my, what I affectionately refer to as my two little triggers. <laughs> um, because as soon as they sort of set foot in this world, I began to have massive anxiety and panic attacks. And, and don't get me wrong, I always had anxiety and I had panic attacks, but this was a new level. And I think it was in that moment that I realized that something had to change for me and that, that something was pretty big. But because I had repressed almost all of the memories of my own childhood, I didn't really know what needed to change. I just knew something did. And so I began my journey to sort of figure out what my real truth was and examine on a very deep level how I had been impacted by my childhood. And that journey has been going on since the kids were born. And so it makes it really easy for, for me to remember how long I've been on this journey, which is almost 11 years now. Um, and in that process, I have um, really embrace the concept of inner parts work in the therapeutic community it's often referred to as inner family systems and I have embraced that fully and really come to understand myself as a family system or a conglomeration of inner parts and I have embraced emotional work very deep emotional expression and through this work, I have healed myself in so, so many ways and really have discovered sort of, um, I guess, in retrospect, you know, the idea that hindsight is 2020 is really true, that I did suffer from dissociative identity disorder as well as other forms of dissociation um, and really some very intense physical ailments that I sort of wasn't looking at, including um, fibromyalgia and some other issues in that regard. And through this process, I have been able to largely heal all of that, um, but it has certainly taken a lot of time and patience and perseverance to make that happen. And so what I've been able to do is begin over the last four or five years to bring this process to others. And so that's become sort of the, the third love of my life, so to speak, um, where I've really um, been able to figure out, I guess, the best way. People like to say that, that I just can articulate what's happening in words that, that people haven't been able to find for themselves, um, I guess, almost like a translator. I see myself a little bit as a translator. It's like, oh, here's what's happening on the inside. Oh, here, this, this is how you describe what's happening. 
you know, and so I bring that through my blog to people, to other survivors, so that they can sort of put words to what's happening within themselves, because I do find that a lot of our traumatic responses are almost universal in nature. And, and then I've been able to also begin um, helping clients as a life coach so that they can unravel their own inner family systems and begin to access their own unconscious beliefs and emotions that they've been pushing down for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And so I find that, that this life work that I've found has contributed not only to my own healing, but also to the healing of so many others. I feel like I've, I've just, I've come into my purpose through this work and it's it's been a brilliant ride. It's been a wild ride, but it's been brilliant. Wow, you are so right. There are so many things that we could talk about just in that little intro right there. Like I have a bunch of notes and I'm like, well, my goodness, we could do a bunch of podcasts to cover all this stuff. I love it. Um, yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's so great. Um, yeah, so why don't we start out a little bit and tell us, um, so your uh, specific uh, approach to trauma recovery and to healing for your clients and, of course, for yourself, as you mentioned, was the inner parts work, the inner family system. So maybe if you could dive into that a little bit more, share exactly what that means, what it entails, and um, you know how it really helps a survivor or a parent of a survivor um, or perhaps someone who helps um, in a, a specific role in a survivor's life. Yes. So one of the things that I absolutely love about this work is that it, when we begin to look at our what's happening on the inside as an inner parts, sort of a conglomeration or family, so to speak, of inner parts, it opens us up to some new approaches that we can take in recovery that we really can't do using other models as much. So I'll give you an example. One thing that it can really do for us that, that I love about is it reduces shame. Because, and I'll give you a really good example of what I mean when I say that. Like, for example, I have a lot of clients who self-sabotage. I self-sabotage myself. I mean, I think that that's sort of a part of what happens when we go through trauma. And, but, and what often happens is when we're in more traditional forms of therapy or when we are working with people in the external world, maybe in our jobs or what have you, we can be shamed for that self-sabotage. We can be labeled as not reliable. We can be labeled as difficult. As, you know, I mean, all of these different things that come up when we self-sabotage. When we can approach that self-sabotage from a perspective of parts. So in other words, we have a defender. I call them defenders. Defenders are the parts that don't want us to kind of get down deep into this work so much. They're um, trying to protect us. They're also trying to protect us from other things as well in life that seems scary. And they're usually the ones that sabotage. When we can begin to look at the self-sabotage as coming from our inner parts or those defenders who are trying to keep us safe, by not doing scary things, even though the scary things may be what we want to do in life. Um, it, it can help us to sort of lift the shame 
Um, and those labels that are placed upon us as being unreliable and other things because we can say, oh, I can now see how this isn't me, it isn't who I am, but it's this inner part who is responding to their traumatic experiences in this way. And then we, the grounded adult self, as I like to refer to it, can become a part of the healing as almost the helper. So we become the ones who heal our inner parts, therapeutically speaking. And that brings about what I like to call empowerment. I mean, we really become empowered to help ourselves and to help our parts to heal instead of being the so to speak, a victim who needs a whole bunch of help from others and can't do it on our own, we become our own healer in a way. And that doesn't mean we still don't need help, um, but it means that we're taking a much more empowered approach to healing ourselves. Um, and so those are two of the huge benefits that we can get from this work. Um, and. What I think that can be really powerful when it comes to how others can view us is if others can see this, this same thing within us, if they can see that our inner parts are there, if they can see that sometimes when we do things that aren't healthy, that it's coming from our inner parts, they can also learn to not shame us for those things and to embrace our healing in a different way even acknowledging the parts when i work with my clients i acknowledge their parts i validate their parts i help them understand that they're being heard because that is a critical part of healing and if others in our lives could do that same thing um, which by the way is really hard and a bit rare but if they can it's incredibly helpful in our own healing Wow, that's just uh, incredible. I was following along and I was just thinking it's such a unique approach. Um, and I mean, I've heard the term and of course, um, you know, I, I understand the term of, you know, um, inner parts. And of course, I relate that a lot to uh, inner child work and my own healing journey um, and whatnot. But I found it interesting and I always find it fascinating how when you work on these um inner parts and other parts of your recovery, how that helps not only with the emotional side, but also with the physical pain side. You mentioned how you um, had dealt with fibro and other types of chronic pain. Um, and you had also mentioned um, dissociative identity disorder and dissociative disorders. And those are two things that are very close to my heart, something that I'm very passionate about. Maybe speak a little bit, if you can, to how your approach um, really helps in the um, dissociation department, but also in in the chronic pain area. Because I know a lot of my listeners and readers live with all types of chronic pain, chronic illness, and you know are just looking for ways to help heal beyond the traditional take a bunch of pills approach. If if you get my drift. Oh yeah, I get your drift completely. Um, well, one of the things I like to say is that inner parts work is often stigmatized because, well, one. Society doesn't really approve of us hearing voices, right? Um, you know, from to quote Hermione and Harry Potter, even in the wizarding world, hearing voices is not okay, right? So we've, we've got this whole world of people who say hearing voices is a problem. Um, and that really is coming from a place of defenses. As a society as a whole, we are afraid 
of what lives in our unconscious. And so we choose to stigmatize it. But in reality, every single person on this planet is walking around with parts. None of us have gotten away from separation completely, okay? And so when I talk about parts, there are certain parts that are literally global in the world. Everybody has them. And some of those parts are defenders. And what we don't really talk about when we talk about the inner child or the inner children, it, it's a great start. It's a great starting point. To this kind of work and mainstream psychology has seemed for the most part to embrace the idea of the inner child at least from a perspective of bringing more play into our life but where what they miss completely is that often we are blocked from accessing our inner child because we have defenders defensive things parts of us that keep us from going into those sort of deeper, darker places where we hold the most vulnerable memories and emotions from our past. Um, and it's those defenders that sort of, when turned into more of a macro view, will stigmatize the idea of, of things like voices. So that is why the, this process has not really been embraced fully. It's the other reason why some people believe dissociative identity disorder is not real. Um, it's also a defense. We don't want to go there. As a society as a whole, um, as a human race as a whole, the idea of embracing parts, embracing voices is not okay. Um, but the reality is, is that when we have experienced significant amounts of trauma, our inner parts do dissociate so fully that they can take over. And that was certainly my situation, which I didn't realize until I was well in my healing that it had even happened to me. Um, it is the case for a lot of people. I think that many times people with dissociative identity disorder are actually misdiagnosed um, with other illnesses because it is not obvious. It doesn't look like it does in Hollywood. Um, movies that, by the way, are completely irresponsible in the way that they show this um, illness this is are unfortunately encouraging people who even have it to think that they don't. So when we use inner parts work and really fully embrace the fact that we have these inner parts, and allow them to express themselves, which is really where my focus is. It's on letting these parts express, validating what they have to say. When we do that fully, the need for those parts to dissociate and to essentially take over diminishes greatly. Um, they don't feel the same urge to take over because they are being validated as a part of the system. And that is really the goal. They're trying to be heard. They're trying, in the case of the defenders, they're trying to be protect, protective and they need to be heard. And so when we do that, we begin to break the dissociation cycle that is a normal part of having parts. There's a part I refer to as the controller. It's the primary defender. It's the one that holds what I call the mask, which is sort of what we show society, um, what we consider socially acceptable. And that part is in charge of dissociation. And I can tell you, when I work with my clients, there are times when we'll be talking about something and they're like, yes, I just totally checked out. So whatever you just said must have been really important. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. 
we dissociate when we are working on our recovery. We dissociate when we are triggered. And that is all the controller trying to protect us from what is scary. Um, so when we do this work, dissociation begins to improve. So that's a very long answer to the question about dissociation, but it also helps physical pain because physical pain, and I know there are going to be people that don't want to hear this, but physical pain is caused by repressed emotions. Emotions get repressed when we go through horrific childhoods because we can't express emotion as a child because we don't have the capacity to do it yet, okay? So we repress them. When we get to adulthood, all of those emotions are still stuck in our bodies and they're wreaking havoc on it. And so what the goal through this work is as we get in touch with our inner parts, we also get in touch with the emotions that they hold, okay? And they do, they all hold emotions except for maybe the controller, but the controller holds fear, so. And when we get in touch with the emotions that these parts hold and we allow ourselves to express those and feel those, we begin to heal the body. It's actually a very natural and organic response to emotional expression is to heal physically. Um, none of my physical healing has really been the primary focus in my work. It's happened as a result of my emotional work. Very long answer to your question. I don't know that there's a short way to describe it, um, but that's, that's my take on it. <laughs> It's so insightful and I've been taking notes and I'm thinking to myself as you're talking, there are so many things we could go with just that, that, um, you know, last segment as well. And, you know, uh, a few things that stuck out to me when you were talking about the defenders and, and the controller, which I personally have not heard the term defender or, or controller yet. So it's very enlightening to me, but it absolutely rings true when I know as a survivor myself, um, you know, my abuse happened when I was between five and 10, you know, as far as the um, childhood sexual abuse goes. And yeah. I remember, you know, now as an adult, obviously 40 something, um, <laughs> that I had obviously repressed those memories for, in my case, about over three decades. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting to see how you, how you kind of tie together in a different way with the defenders and with the controller as basically a way of keeping those memories repressed and uh, keeping us trying to protect us. But in a way, would you say that these defenders kind of have our best interests at heart? You know, when, when they're trying to protect us and keep these memories uh, repressed or is there, is there more to it than that? That's a really great question, actually, because so many of us, when we start parts work, we end up really hating our defenders because they get in our way of healing. And one of the things that I like to say is that we need to make friends with all of our parts, even the parts that don't want to be our friends. And there are parts that don't. Um, but one of the ways we can do that is to recognize the strengths in each of the parts of us. Okay. And so I like to say that all of our parts have really good goals and really bad methods, <laughs> okay? So when we talk about defenders or protectors, or in the case of interfamily systems, I think that Dick Schwartz refers to them as firefighters, or at least some of them. Um, these parts are, they have the goal of keeping us safe. That is their goal, safety, right? Well, that seems like a very reasonable goal, right? I mean, we want to be safe in the world. Great. Okay. So the problem is their method. 
okay? For example, the controller's method is to repress and suppress everything that doesn't go along with the mask that they have created for social approval, so to speak, okay? So they go at life saying, don't show emotion or at least not anything that's not happy, right? Because society doesn't like it. Um, you know, let's let's just hide all of our pain, hide all of our feeling that we're inadequate, hide our worthlessness, just push it all down and leave it there. Okay, this is the approach that the controller takes. Obviously, the other inner parts are not really big fans. Okay, because they're trying to express and the controller won't let them. Okay, so that's a method that's wrong, even though the goal may be a good one. Another one of the defenders, who is my personal favorite, is called the mean kid. That's how I refer to mine. And my mean kid gave herself that name. So I use it when I describe this part. This part is angry, really, really angry, usually developed in the um, preteen years and um, holds a ton of anger. Obviously, controller is not a fan of the mean kid because the mean kid is can be very explosive. And, but the mean kid's goal is to protect. And the way they protect is by getting explosive when things feel dangerous and pushing people away, okay? Once again, great goal, staying safe, bad method, okay? So the goal in this work is to really validate not only the goal of the parts, but also validate why they felt the need to take this approach because when they were, when you were a child, their approach probably worked to some degree to keep you safe, okay? Or at least, let me put it this way, they thought it did. That's the most important part. They thought it did, okay? But in adulthood, these parts are not doing you any really big favors, okay? And so the goal in adulthood is to begin to come back into our grounded self and to embrace life from a perspective of um, being grounded and, and being a little bit more in touch with the world around us. And we can't do that when we are what I refer to as enmeshed, which means listening to every word of our defenders. So, so the goal is to embrace them, to understand their strengths and the reasons they are like they are, but also to not necessarily let them run the show anymore because their approach is no longer really working for us. You had mentioned uh, something that really um, stuck out with me, um, and that was when you were talking about the um, repressed emotions and getting in touch with the emotions that they hold um, in terms of our defenders, the controllers, the mean kid. And something that really stuck out was I know just looking back at my life, you know, while my healing has been going on still, and of course, actually just sitting here right now, everything that you had mentioned about the uh, controller and the defenders are trying to keep that mask up and keep everything repressed and hidden and tucked away that doesn't jive with what, you know, we're trying to portray to everybody in the outside world. And I know growing up and all throughout my life, I've always been known as the as the person who was the help, who is the helper and the kind person and the happy person and the person who's always there for people all along. Of course, I have my own um, inner parts that have, you know, uh, hiding struggles and all that type of thing. So what you were saying right there was just uh, kind of a 
a validation and a revalidation of what I know I've been working through. So, and I hope that that speaks to so many as well who the um, the mask or or the facade that your uh, defenders and controller want to put out isn't um, necessarily what you really feel inside, but it's a way of just you know kind of them trying to protect us, even if their message and or methods are not the best their intentions are still good. So that just really kind of struck home with me right now. So thank you for that. No problem. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important for us to recognize, you know, the goal for us on this planet is to become as much of who we were really meant to be as possible. But here's the problem. Almost all of us, even when there hasn't been severe trauma, were somehow encouraged in childhood to be something different, okay? And so I think a big part of us sort of coming into who we are is being able to get past the fears of the controller and potentially other defenders to embrace who we really are, you know? And, and But all of the fears that our controller holds will try to stop that process. And so this is about understanding that that is what's stopping us so that we can begin to shift shift ourselves into who we're really meant to be. So well said. So very well said. Um, one of the last things I'd like to cover is something that you had mentioned uh, a bit earlier, and that was obviously working through your, your, your program um, to help heal from trauma when you really start to dive into the inner parts and, um, you know, what they are and what they do and why they're doing what they're doing and, you know, the names that we have for each one of our own particular ones. Um, obviously they've spent your entire life, my entire life, our entire lives trying to keep us safe, you know, through their own methodologies and whatnot. And they do their very best to make, to get their point across as much as possible to keep their mask up, if you will. I know as a survivor, when you first start working through your recovery and, you know, whatever, um, methodology that you use and whoever you speak with, it's very overwhelming and, you know, once you start unlocking those memories, it becomes very, you know, everything becomes very loud and pronounced. And, you know, you have all these things coming back in the form of flashbacks and dissociation and everything. So as you begin to work through your particular program, would you say that the inner parts that you're working with, does their message diminish over time? Or is it that we just get easier to handle what they're trying to say um, and kind of take our own, own power back? So do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Um, you know, my approach, and one of the things that I stress strongly is that my approach is not to eliminate parts or to get rid of them or to shut them up or anything like that. My, my approach is about allowing them to express until they don't really have much else to express. Like the, the goal, I cannot tell you, I have probably written 400 pages for my mean kid. And you know what? Sometimes I still hear from her and that's okay. That's what I needed to do. I needed to let her express herself so fully that she, I kid you not, literally ran out of things to say. Okay. It doesn't mean that she doesn't come up, especially when there's a threat. But the difference is now that because I've let her express so fully, when she comes up, I know exactly who she is, I know exactly why she's there, and I know exactly what I'm going to do, and it may not be what she suggests. And I think that the goal in this work is to come to a place where we know all of our parts, we have allowed them to express themselves, 
and we know the difference between listening to them and listening to kind of the grounded adult self who can be more in touch with our intuition. And I would say on a daily basis, I do not hear a lot from my parts. It certainly is not constant chatter, chatter, chatter like it used to be. I don't have consistent anxiety because my parts are battling with each other all the time like it used to be. But when they pop up, I acknowledge them, I write from them, I, I let them express what they need to express, um, and I move from there. But I don't think the goal is to eliminate them or to you know, get to the point where they don't speak at all, but I think the goal is more of an integration, not an integration where they go away, but more of an integration where everybody is just working together in the same basic direction. And, you know, and we stopped the constant screaming in our heads, usually at each other, because that's what creates anxiety. That's what anxiety is based in, by the way. I call it the battle of the parts. And when we can stop that and we can get these parts to be moving in the same direction as a team, that's where we want to be with this work. With the ground itself being the primary leader, you know, the one who kind of will ultimately make decisions. Well, this has been incredible. And again, like I've been taking so many notes, so I would love to do some future podcasts with you and dive in uh, to more topics, um, you know, that you had touched on, such as the shame and the empowerment um, and, you know, the inner parts being stigmatized. There's so many ways we could go. And I think your message is incredible. And I'm sure your clients just benefit so greatly from, you know, not only your own experiences as a survivor, but the but the program that you've developed to really explore and understand what all of the inner parts are and that we all have them and what they mean and what they do and why they're doing what they're doing so we're going to wrap this up here now um i appreciate you coming on and joining me for the show here for a little bit today i hope everybody who listened really found it encouraging and validating and so why don't we go ahead and finish up you can tell everybody where to find you on the web social media if they're interested in working with you and also about your amazing book that you've written Yes. So, um, gosh, just to start off, my website is beatingtrauma.com, and that's all one word. And you can certainly find my book, um, my groups, which right now I'm not running one, but hopefully we'll be running a group probably in in the fall. Um, You can also, uh, I I do have an email workshop, which is specific to parents. And so those who are trying to break that cycle, and all of that is available at my website. I also have a free, uh, a free ebook available if you want to join my mailing list. And then, the, generally speaking, the only thing I send out on my mailing list is my blog posts, which come out every Wednesday. And the blog posts really focus on articulating sort of what our experiences are from an inner parts perspective in our daily lives. And then I'm also on Facebook. I would say that most of the interaction I have with people who are either clients or not clients, happens um, on my Facebook page, which is Beating Trauma. So it's facebook.com slash beating trauma. And we have over 100,000 people in this community. Um, And there is just some really amazing conversations and discussions happening there. I highly recommend that if you're not following it, please go follow it. I do um, my own live streams every Tuesday and Friday at noon. Um, Eastern time, noon Eastern time. So come join me. I just did one the other day on healing shame and that seemed to go over really well. 
And but I I approach all of my podcasts or not podcasts but live streams from a perspective of inner parts. Um, the other thing that I offer, which you get for free when you buy my One Voice ebook, is uh, a support group, and that's also a Facebook group. And um, that's I originally created it to be a six to seven week group over the holidays, and we and everybody who's in it was like, "Will you please, please, please keep it?" So I kept it, and it's really a wonderful group of people who are just willing to. Um, put it all out there and and just it's just amazing. I can't say enough about that amazing support group um, And if you're really just interested, hey, I want to learn more about inner parts. I don't know I, this sounds interesting Definitely my ebook which is called one voice is a great way to get yourself more familiar with parts um, I published it about a year ago and since then I've discovered new parts so there will eventually be a second version but I will be offering that either very close to free or free to people who've already bought this book. So, Absolutely incredible. Amazing information. Your Facebook uh, groups just sound incredible. So I encourage everybody to check it out. Uh, head over to beatingtrauma.com. You can find out all the information about uh, her, her downloads, her programs, uh, everything about her. Um, I'm definitely going to be checking out. Uh, the live streams on your uh, Facebook group and everything. So thank you so much. This has been absolutely incredible and enjoyable and uh, enlightening for sure. So um, Elizabeth, I hope you have a awesome rest of your day and your week. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Sounds great, Matt. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to surviving my podcast sponsored by surviving my past.net, a blog about my life with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD and in support of all who have survived the trauma of abuse. This podcast or any resources sponsored by survivingmypast.net should not be considered as therapy or professional medical help. If you are in crisis, I encourage you to seek out the services of a mental health or physical health professional. I also encourage you to check out online crisis support from sites like rain.org, oneand6.org, and the Samaritans. If you would like to be a guest on a future podcast, just contact me anytime through email, matt at survivingmypast.net, or use the contact forms on the blog. Thank you again for your support and encouragement, and always know that you rock. Talk to you soon.